Welcome once again to another episode of The Wall Behind and Beyond. I am your host, Philip A. Jones. As always, we speak to the issues affecting those who are justice impacted by providing insights and ideas for how we can navigate the criminal legal system. It is our mission to raise awareness and be a place of support for those behind the wall as well as their loved ones on the outside. Today, we have a guest who begin her journey in the criminal justice world of advocacy after seeing her childhood friend be sentenced to 45 years in a Virginia prison. With him eventually regaining his freedom, she continues to advocate for incarcerated men and women. She works with other grassroots organizations in Virginia. Please welcome Juanita Belton to the show. How are you, sister? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So good to talk to you. We got so many things that we want to talk to you about. Um, you're doing so many great things out there in the community to help other people. So we're just happy to have you on the show. We'll get it right started. Can you tell us where you're from and a little bit about your background? Sure. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, that's where I'm at right now. And I am by profession um, a physician assistant in gastroenterology. Um, and I have two beautiful children who are ages five and nine. Thank you so much because uh, we, we like to give our listeners some background on our guests, uh, so to speak. I wanted to ask you, how did you come to be a criminal justice advocate? So when I was 18 years old, um, my childhood, um, one of my childhood best friends um, was incarcerated, well, became incarcerated, um, and he was extradited to, extradited to Virginia. Um, so that was my first experience um, with the prison system, and he and I talked for about eight years um, back and forth, and so in 2019, um, we reconnected. We had always always been connected, but like we were really talking a lot. That's when I was like, okay, so when, how are we getting you out? When do you, you know, you need to be home. Um, and so that was how it all started. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's powerful right there. You know what I mean? Um, the way we get involved in advocacy is always unique to individuals, but at the same time, it always has to do with, you know, being concerned for someone close to us. And that's the main reason a lot of us get involved. But then we see that there's so many people in the same situation. Your best friend, you know, since kids, he was sentenced to 45 years. And you spent many years advocating on his behalf until finally he was pardoned in 2022. Um, how much time did he serve? And what exactly did you do to make this happen? He served 24 years by the time he got out. And honestly... I'm going to call it, we, when, when anyone ever asks us this question, um, the both of us say it, it literally felt like a perfect storm of different entities coming together to, to um, get him this pardon. It all started with, with, with he and I, obviously he, him doing the work. And then um, me just saying, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to do a pardon. It was the only thing that was available. It still is the only thing right now that's available in Virginia for everyone. Um, and then it, it went from there to, okay, well, part of doing the pardon, you have to get support. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me, if you really want to see this through, you have to um, make this your full-time job. And I was like, oh, okay. But we actually had to make it like a full-time job. And so that entailed building a lot of relationships, um, sending a lot of emails, doing a lot of phone calls, 
Um, I even made a social media campaign. Um, I did chance.org, a, a petition that wasn't really that mo- that successful, but that was one of part of what we did. Um, and then I got together with FAM, um, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. I also got together with the Redemption Project, um, which was an organization who at the time, because COVID had just started in that March of 2020, had, there was an organization that was helping people write pardons who had health risks that would put them at risk for um, issues with COVID. And so all of that just took a lot of time and a lot of work. And then at the end, we were successful. I mean, we literally had three days left before the governor was going out of office when his pardon was actually signed. So just all of that work wow. just coming together. That is sheer determination. And I salute you because you said that it's a, someone told you it was a full-time job. And were you did you have to stop working or did you just do both? Because a lot of our listeners are going to be curious about that because they want to be an advocate for their loved ones. So... How were you able to manage that? It was it was hard because I have a full-time job, right? And it was also during COVID. And I have my two children. And my son was in the first grade at the time. Uh, yeah, he was in the first grade at the time. My daughter was three and or going on three or something like that. And I had, no, she was two. And I was trying to potty train her. Um, I would work you know, telemed during the day, help him with school during the day. And then the evening times I would be sending emails or like when I had a break doing different things like that, I would sit and do like his pardon packet. And it was hard. I, I, I will admit that like I sacrificed my family. And when I say I sacrificed my family, like, no, they're here. But what I'm saying is just time and attention and those type of things that I can't get back. Um, so it was, it was hard. It definitely was hard. Was it worth it? Of of course. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, I definitely would handle things a bit differently. Yes, I can imagine. Um, and I just want to say to all the family members, uh, to all the women, all the friends, all the wives, everyone who is, you know, making this a full-time job, trying to support a loved one that's incarcerated to get them back out into the free world. Uh, we take our hats off to you uh, because we know how difficult it is. And I've been hearing these stories over and over, and it's uh, and it's amazing, but it's powerful because I often say it's the woman who was standing on the front line uh, being a strength for man at a time when he couldn't be the strength for himself. And so that's exactly what that's meaning. I would agree. I mean, he and I had been, and you're, you're going to ask me this, I know, but um, he and I had been friends since we were 15 years old. So, you know, we've always been really close with each other. Um, like we're family, essentially. Uh-huh. We laugh at it now because one of the things before before we did this, one of the things I said to him was, you know, do you trust me? And I know he trusts me, but um, I said, do you trust me to bring you home? And I always tell people that I was, every podcast or whatever we do, I always say, tell, tell that story because, you know, he was like, oh, I don't want to burden you. You know, it's, it's, I don't want to ask a lot, you know, because he never asked a lot of me at all, but I was like, no, it's time, it's time for you to go get out. Like why? I had no idea at the time that Virginia didn't have any parole. Like he and I were just talking. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, there's nothing, there's no way. And then there was no legislation that was, um, moving in the direction for people who are, are incarcerated with violent crimes. And so I said, no, we're going to do this. And, um, 
And I said, I, I can get everything together. And I was like, do you trust me to bring you home? And he said, yeah, he okay. trusted me. That's what's up. So you was basically, in a sense, saying, look, I don't want you to worry about that. Just, you know, trust me because we got to get you out. Right. Wow. That's so amazing. Just, I was like, just know. do what I say. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes you got to be that way because us in this situation, we feel like we are a burden sometimes. And a lot of times we want to say, um, look, I'm not going to ask you to do this. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm, we're just going to have to figure it out. I think that sometimes our best advocates want us to say, they don't want us to say that because they know that it takes some real hard grinding uh, to get uh, the results that you got for your best friend. And so I'm going to give that advice to uh, my fellow people that's incarcerated that your loved ones are not saying, be easy on me. They don't want you to worry about that. They're trying to get you out. And so if you have something that you can tell them to do other than what they're thinking of, let them know. You know what I'm saying? Because it's very important because sometimes they're like, I don't, I'm don't. i trying to go to war for you. I'm trying to go to bat for you. I'm trying to get you up out of there. I'm willing to do what I got to do. I made these sacrifices for a reason because I think you deserve to be out. And so that's, a, that's powerful, and I like that. Okay, so... I understand you continue to do this work for other men and women that's trapped in the system. Uh, what made you want to keep being an advocate for other people even after he was released? I like helping people. It's 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 just who I am. It's it's my job, right? Um, in medicine, um, I help my patients all the time. Um, I'm I'm just that person that does that. My mom is like that. You know, she'll give you her last or the shirt off her back if if you need it, and always there. And so. Um, in the process of, of helping him, I got to know other people that were incarcerated in Virginia and, and who I was building relationships with, just getting to know people and talking to them. And, you know, for me, I, I just think it's a problem that we have this type of criminal justice system or in, I call it injustice system where people are locked away for years and years and years. And there's, no thought of them and no laws to help them. And it's, it's just all, it's just all bad. And so, and that's not, that's not to say that anyone, um, that's not making an excuse for anyone's crime or anything like that. No, but I believe that people can change. And so I ended up, I met two young ladies, um, Paulette James and Santia Nance in the process of fighting for sincere and their husbands and fiance are incarcerated. And so from there, we had decided to form a group called Sisters in Prison Reform, which we'll talk more about. But um, we wanted to we wanted to create a bill that would help people get a second look. And, you know, like I said, we'll talk more about that as well. But the point of it was to help people like our loved ones who were convicted of violent crimes serving these like lengthy sentences. And so. In the process of fighting for Sincere, I met them and then we started doing more and I started meeting more people. And I was just like, I like this. I, I This is exciting stuff. It's also stressful, sometimes heartbreaking, um, especially when things don't go in the direction that you want them to go. But people still need support. And it was I didn't want to, you know, like, OK, Sincere's out. Oh, try to go back to my my regular life. When there were people that were that are still there who I care about, and I met people whose loved ones cared about them, so 
that's that's why I keep going and have kept going because I easily could just be home and you know be home for real. Uh, talk about compassion. Uh, this is a recurring theme, you know. Uh, my producer Erica is also in the medical field by trade, and it seems that you know people that come from that line of work, you know, they're used to being empathetic. They're used to helping other people. You know what I'm saying? And so that is that is amazing because I've heard so many people who come to this work. Um, they also come from that hospitality background. And uh, so I want to salute you, and I want to salute everyone else who's out here who has um, that type of feeling for others, uh, knowing that you don't have to be there, that you could turn away and say, you know, I'm good now, and I, got, I accomplished my goal. But you keep going, mm-hmm. and you join forces with others. So I'm very grateful for that, and I know my fellow uh, incarcerated people are as well. I think it's okay, you know, if someone does something like this um, and then they decide to take a break or they want to sit down for a while or they don't want to do it again because it is it is very stressful. I, I'm not even going to lie. Um, you know, there were many days where there was a lot of depression. There was a lot of sadness, a lot of tears. And this can be really hard on a person, right? So I don't, I don't fault anyone who says, oh, I can't do this again, you know, but I try to find the 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 bright side in it, which is that I have these relationships with these people and I want to see them all home. Hold that thought. We pick up on the other side. You know, I'm going to come back and ask you some questions. I want to learn more about the organization. So I'll be right back. Happy New Year. I want to thank all of my loyal supporters for subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you've just recently started following the wall behind and beyond, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notification bell. We don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes as we have some great show guests to bring you. Please share our show with everyone you know as we approach 1,000 subscribers. Also, to contact me directly, JPay has switched over to Securus Technologies. So download the Securus app to your mobile device and type in my prison number which is 881-507. This will add you to my email list, and I can see your name appear on my tablet. Thank you, everyone. Let's make 2023 our best year, and let's speak truth to power. Back on the other side with Juanita Belton. We're having a great conversation, and uh, she's telling us some real things. Uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to say, sister, before we go to the next question? No, go ahead. I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, that's what's up. So, now the big question. You, we need to know, we want to learn more about the organization Sisters in Prison Reform. Tell us about Sisters in Prison Reform. What is that? What, what are you guys about? So, um, like I said, Paulette James and Santia Nance. Um, Santia and I met on Twitter. And then she and Paula met through rallies in Virginia, because they're both in Virginia. And then um, Paula and I met through some, I think one of the Facebook spaces, and then somehow we just all connected. And so we wanted to, we, we thought about like, what can we do? Like, we want to bring more awareness to the fact that people incarcerated changed that, you know, these long sentences are they're just antiquated, right? Like, they, no one no one needs to be in prison 30, 40, 50 years, um, especially, you know, from a, from a young age when you, you haven't even experienced life. You know, and you make a and you make a mistake, you make a bad choice, whatever. And so we knew that we were trying to also get our loved ones out. And so we all had pardons in. 
Um, but then we decided to, we were like, okay, well, let's get together and let's do something. We want to create a bill. We're like, well, how do you create a bill? And so we sat one day on the phone um, and we were like, okay, well, are we going to be like a big, uh, an organization? Like, are we going to have members? Are we, you know, we, we, we had all these conversations. What are we going to name the group? Um, you know, what is our mission, et cetera. And so we decided to name it Sisters in Prison Reform. And our logo actually was created by someone who was formerly incarcerated, who I consider my brother. His name is Genesis. And we were like, okay, well, we want to make a bill, you know, a second look bill. We'd learned about second look through the FAM organization. And DC at the time had a set, had like a, a form of a second look bill where people who are 18 and old, under could um, apply for a second look, which is where someone goes to a court, petitions a court to get a second look at their case um, with with evidence of who they are now, you know, growth and development, education, job experience, et cetera. And so we were like, okay, well, we want to do that. So we went to our friend, Sean, um, who was also formerly incarcerated, had gotten pardoned in 2020 and who had worked on um, the earned sentencing credit bill, which is another bill in Virginia for people with nonviolent convictions. And, you know, we went from there helping, um, putting that together. And a coalition of us um, wrote that and put it together. And Sisters in Prison Reform, we've just been promoting it and, and pushing it. And that's how we got together. That's amazing. Um, like I tell everyone, you know, I came in at 19, you know, and I've been inside now for 32 years. Um, how can that second look legislation be introduced in Maryland? Uh, because both Virginia and Maryland are, fourth, are both Fourth Circuit uh, states. Um, I'm wondering, do they are they looking at that? Because we talked about emerging adults, we talked about all that, but we really need uh, that type of legislation. Is it possible um, that some of our uh, policymakers and lobbyists down in Maryland uh, could also uh, get involved with some of that Second Look legislation? So Second Look legislation is actually being um, talked about in just all over the U.S., right? As we start to, you know, come to the realization that being tough on crime, just it just didn't work. Um, and so, and then, you know, having parole boards the way that we have them in every state is not, they're not good. You have these arbitrary people that are appointed um, by the governor to sit there and make decisions on people. And most of those decisions are made based on who they were when they went in. And so that's like you going up for parole and you're 50 something years old and someone's telling you, um, well, the nature of the crime, which is never going to change, or you need more time. And you've been in there since you was 16 years old. That makes no sense. Um, so, you know, second look is, is better because it's transparent. Um, and when I say transparent, meaning the judge has to say why they deny a person, weigh, weigh the reasons why um, a victim still has their right to have a victim impact statement or make, you know, or express how they feel. The prosecutors are there, though, though, I will say I'm not really sure why prosecutors are involved in this. They they prosecuted. That's that's past. So I'm not sure why they would be present. But that's just me, in my opinion. Yeah. Um and then the person, obviously, that has that's been convicted. So it's a much better process than like parole. Um, I think parole is something that's good if the if they fix it, if it's comprehensive and it's transparent, and you know people walk away if they're denied understanding why and what they can work on. And then it goes down to the prison systems that have to have the tools that people are told to work on. Like it's a whole. 
um, assembly line system, if you think about it. So, and right now that assembly line is broken. For sure, for sure. Um, so how has this fight been, and are you guys making any headway uh, with your legislation for these bills? So it's it passed in the Senate. It's going to cross over to the House. Um, crossovers this week, so we'll we'll find out when it's going to be heard in the House. But it did pass through the Senate, and our our patron did make some amendments. So unfortunately, it does exclude now people who were convicted of um, first degree murder, um, aggravated murder, uh, capital murder, and um, second degree. We have second degree, and you have multiple murders. So the goal is hopefully that it, let's say hypothetically it passes and it gets to the governor and let's say he signs it, then the goal would be to come back next year and put those people back in the bill, right? Because we're not done. So we'll see how it does in the House because the Republican um, chairperson of the courts of justice where it would be heard doesn't really like our bill. But hopefully he'll be voted out next year, this year, November. And so we have a chance next year. Hope springs eternal, you know. Um, So what are your goals moving forward? Uh, What other things are you and the Sisters in Prison Reform working on? So we um, helped with, though there's a profiteering bill that's um, patroned by Senator Jennifer Boisco. And that bill is about communication, so helping individuals, um, well, loved ones and individuals stay connected, but free, free, free communication. So that's something that we've supported, and that we were on a panel um, to to do like a study with other organizations, along with the sheriff's department and Department of Corrections. Um, so that's something that we helped work on, and then definitely second look is our biggest baby because until that's our thing until that goes through that that's our thing and then once it goes through there's going to be more work necessary um and that's going to be probably to help people get lawyers and any make any amendments where in case someone a group was left out you know we're always going to be working on that so that's like our priority right now um we'll probably be working this summer to kind of to encourage people to vote which is very important a lot of people don't and that's why we're in the positions that we're in um, in regards to who's who's the governor, who's the attorney general, because people need to get out and vote. So that's something that's very important to us and that we'd like to promote. Um, so we'll be finding ways to get more people educated on voting, more people educated on how these laws work, making laws work, and also more education on getting people, having people get connected with their lawmakers um, to help their loved ones. I like uh, you guys' focus uh, because you're uh, you're going at all the right things, you know what I'm saying, to make changes within the criminal justice uh, apparatus. From each thing that you just named, if you were to get involved in all of those, you would surely see some changes being made. Sometimes our focus be in the wrong direction or we're in places where we can't possibly get anything done. Um, so when you focus specifically um, in certain areas, you know, if you can't change the policies, then you change who's representing the state. You know what I mean? So you got to, you know, it's all about, you know, pulling the right lever. So, you know, I really like y'all focus. Thank you. So what would you like listeners to take away from this interview? I think it's very important. I always say this for people to, to, to not stop fighting in whatever capacity in which you fight. Like, I don't want people to look and be like, well, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do that. And however she did it in this, because it's not about that. It's about doing whatever it is that you're 
you're good at and doing it and doing it well. And when I say that, meaning, you know, if your thing is sending emails, you know, send your, send multiple emails, um, make phone calls. You know, I, I, I always say about social media, but everybody's not good with social media and that's okay. I just happen to use social media as a platform to get more support for sincere because, you know, one of the things when we were talking about the pardon that I was told was, you know, were there anyone from like the neighborhood or like clergy? And I was like, he's been in prison 24 years. He doesn't have an external system like that, external support like that, because he's been out of from where from away from home all this time. So I I did that in terms of social media to create um, support. Um, and get people on board. If there are organizations that um, help people tell their stories or help people call their legislators, right? If someone says, I don't know my legislator, I don't know the phone number, there's organizations like FAM that can help people um, find out who their state senator is, who their state delegate is um, in their phone number or their email. Like there's just, there's a number of different ways that you can go about it. And it doesn't have to be one person's particular blueprint. It can be yours. But also too, another thing that's important in the process is that you take time for self. Absolutely. This is a wealth of great information. And um, I know our listeners appreciate it. How can people learn more about your services and how can they follow what you are doing? So on Twitter, we are the SIP 2021. Um, our email address is the SIP 2021 at gmail.com. And we are Sisters in Prison Reform on Instagram. And we do have a Facebook page. It's Sisters in Prison Reform, but we, we don't use it a whole lot. But yeah, that's how people can, we get emails all the time. Um, our website is uh, www.sistersinprisonreform. And sisters, it's S-I-S-T-A-S dot org dot com. Yeah. And um, people can get our emails from there. And we get a lot of emails from people, you know, just asking us questions on how they could do things. And if we don't know the answer, we'll tell you and we'll try and find it or, um, try to give you the best way to go about doing something. Well, I hope that we are following each other on social media. You know, I have Twitter, I have LinkedIn, and I also have um, Instagram. So I hope that we are following each other and that we can help each other um, in some kind of way because it takes a village for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we have coalition with some really great people. This is not us by ourselves. Um, you don't get anywhere by yourself. So we we definitely interact with a bunch of people and do things with people. Um, and we have a great crew. I love it. Thank all of you sisters, you and the other two sisters and everybody else that's a part of your network. Um, thank you, Juanita, for coming through. I salute you, sister, for standing on the front line for criminal justice and advocacy. Always a pleasure. Come through any time. Thank you for having me. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speaker or our guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the wall behind and beyond.